Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. How many are grateful that you can't hold a God-man down? <laughs> I tell you, I've, uh, I've been blessed as we've been continuing this series here. And one of the things that have really stood out to me is how important hope is. Maybe you're in this room today and hope is not at the front of your mind. I want you to know that Jesus died so you would have hope. Not hope in man, not hope in money, but hope in him. This rescue series, as we lead to this final part of this three-part series, I want to kind of bring to your attention maybe a memory for you. We've all experienced hopelessness in our lives at times, right? At some point or another, maybe in your life, you've experienced hopelessness. You felt like all is lost. This thing is maybe a a disagreement with a coworker. And you're like, you know what? This is never going to work out. We're never going to see eye to eye. Or maybe a bill that has uh, pursued you. You're like, I'm never going to pay this bill off. Or this thing that has happened that I feel like I'm never going to be able to reconcile. Whatever that looks like. Or maybe something so dark like death has taken place. You lost a loved one and you're thinking to yourself, this will never be the same again. I think we all can relate to something, right? In some way, shape, or form, maybe you've come in this morning and you're feeling like this. Moments in my life that I felt were so dark that not even God's light can shine on that. Can I tell you something? That is exactly what the enemy would have you to believe. That is exactly what I want to pull you out of here this morning. I want us to understand something very clearly. And it's that for those that are uh, looking at history for just a moment, maybe you're enthralled in history. and, And the assassination of John F. Kennedy was a moment that our whole nation hit almost rock bottom. I remember as a child hearing stories from my mom and she, would, she told me how, uh, how when this had happened in the assassination of our president, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, this is not good. The nation mourned. And so history has proven that that was one of the worst things that happened as a nation. Or maybe for those in the music industry, Maybe for those of you in the, in the music industry, the death of Elvis Presley was a shocking moment in history. It really did mess with a lot of people. It really kind of shockwaves went through the music industry as an icon like Elvis Presley passed on. It was shocking for a lot of people. And for those who uh, seek social justice and are on that scope, the death of Martin Luther King Jr., that was a shocking moment in history for multiple reasons, especially the foreshadowing of his last message the day before. He says, I don't know if I'm going to be able to see my dream come to pass. A foreshadowing. When, this, when these deaths and many more, some of you could remember something that maybe rocked. I remember as a kid, I remember for me, it was the Challenger space shuttle. 
I was in grade school. I was sitting in the auditorium. They brought everybody in, and they said, watch this. Those of you that are younger than that, you don't know what I'm talking about. You only know that from YouTube. Before YouTube, I had a tube, and it was a lot bigger, wider, not thin, no definition, crappy definition. But it was a big tube before YouTube, and before YouTube, it was a screen, and I was in, the, I was in grade school looking up, and it was, it was like an assembly. We all gathered together, and we're watching the Challenger go up, and then the Challenger explode, and pieces come down. Everybody looked at each other like, what did we just see? And it was the space shuttle blowing up as they had their way to space. Many lives were lost that day. What is it that you remember about that moment? Some of us can remember where we are when certain persons have passed away, right? Whether it's a loved one or a political figure or a music figure. I remember I was sitting at a camp when I found out that another music icon had passed away. And this, I, I could remember where I was when I heard Billy Graham passed away. Another icon. And for me, and especially in the field in which I'm in, in ministry, a man that I aspire to be like on so many levels. Ministered to millions of people. Millions. You look at that and you think, where do we go from here? Can I tell you something? We still have presence. We still have music. We still are fighting social justice. We still have people going into space, and they don't all go bad. There's still hope. We're still moving forward. And there's still a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. We don't stop there. We continue moving forward. And I want to tell you this morning's message is entitled simply this. This is not the end. This is not the end. And some of you walked in this morning thinking, is it the end of this or is it the end of that? This is not the end for you either. Now listen. Let's deal with the truth of the matter. If we deal with the truth of the matter is that life has seasons. Seasons where you feel good, seasons that you feel bad, and seasons that you just don't feel. Anybody relate that? Seasons that you feel bad, seasons that you feel good, seasons that you're just numb to life and you think to yourself, why bother? This is not the end. This is Easter, resurrection morning, where God desires to resurrect your dreams, resurrect his purpose for you, resurrect your passions and the things you really have been called to do because some of you had let it die in the tomb too long. And God says, come forth. Your dreams are not your own. If they're God's dreams, they cannot die. They cannot die. You have to choose today to say, this is not the end. Tap your neighbor right next to you. Wake him up. Tell him this is not the end. Come on, somebody. It's not the end. Not the end. Not the end. Okay, so watch this. We've walked this journey. For those of you, maybe this is you joining us for the first time. We've walked the journey from the Palms. Palm Sunday where everybody cheered Jesus, right? 
Because it, it, it feels like sometimes we walk through a journey where this, everybody seems to be pretty much close to the same page where you know, we all kind of agree to disagree even and we're happy and all that. But Jesus was not one to just agree to disagree. He says there is truth and there is a lie. And that turned from palms to pain. We talked last week about the cross and how the cross itself brought pain to Jesus, but it brought life to us. That cross changes everything. That cross is the reason why we're here. Right? But then we move on past the cross because it was one thing for Jesus to come. Look at me. It was one thing for Jesus to come. It was another thing for him to die. It's a whole different thing for him to come back from the dead. Many men have died, but not every man has been resurrected. And I've heard it be, been said before, every man lives and dies, but not every man dies and then lives. The truth is, Jesus came so you would have life more abundantly. Why do you settle? Why do you settle so much with what everybody else thinks of you and how everybody perceives you? And you don't give a lick about how God sees you. Sometimes we care more about what man thinks than what God thinks. Can I change your perspective for a moment? No man in this room died for you. Not a single one. But there is one that died for you. But he didn't just die. He resurrected too. That's how come you can come to him and you can pray and you can have hope. There are many seasons in life that bring hopelessness, friends. This is not that season. This is not the end. Mark 5 tells us a story, uh, several stories. In fact, I want to bring to light three stories that Mark 5 brings to us of those all is lost moments. You see, God has called this church and his church, look at me now, to be all in. Everybody say all in. But when stuff comes against us, we feel like all is lost. And now change, our mindset changes. And I'm asking you today to consider to go from all is lost to all in. All is lost. No, no, no. All in. I'm going to believe God for this area of my life. I'm going to believe God to change this thing in my life. I don't agree with where my life is headed, and I'm going to change it. So these moments are all too familiar, and maybe you can relate to them. So let me share these thoughts with you since I have you here. Uh, why not? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about why this is not the end. Let's talk about the feelings that you've been feeling and what really matters in the eternity and the scope of eternity. How many realize that you won't feel what you're feeling right now forever? You have a feeling, you have a great feeling, and a bad feeling, and then again... Numb, no feelings. But right now, just for right now, how many have ever felt, let's say the first one, overwhelmed? You ever felt overwhelmed? Well, let's look at Mark 5, verses 1 through 20 for a moment. And if we look at that for a moment, Mark 5, verses 1 through 20, you'll find very quickly that there was a man who was demon-possessed. A man who lived in tombs. You think this is, this is not an Easter message, Pastor Tony. 
You're supposed to tell us happy things like Jesus is risen and hand out marshmallow peeps. <laughs> Ain't no peeps. Go. We got family. The Freedom Family Freedom Peeps. That's about as close as we get to those. But after that, no, 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 no. Listen, I came to tell you something very important. If you're feeling overwhelmed, there's a good chance that that dude felt overwhelmed. Possessed by demons living in tombs. And you think, that's a shame. Here's a guy tortured by demons, tortured by the outside, tortured by all these things that he's allowed in his life. How different is that from maybe some of the position that you've put yourself in here this morning? Overwhelmed and not necessarily possessed, but overwhelmed by life outside of you. Overwhelmed by how you're going to do this next thing. How are you going to accomplish this task? How are you going to pay the bills? Who are you going to marry? What school are you going to go to? What's this or that? And we never give God into account because we're so concerned about how we're going to handle our feeling of feeling overwhelmed. Instead of saying to ourselves, I feel overwhelmed, but I don't walk by feeling. I walk by faith. I don't walk by feeling. I walk by faith. And today, I choose Jesus. I choose to believe him. Is anybody with me? So maybe you felt like this man, where he was living in tombs. You think, living in tombs, Pastor Tony, I've had rough days, but I've never lived in tombs. What is a tomb? It's the housing of a dead person. We've all felt dead. We've all been around people that have felt dead. We've all been around people that pull us down and decay in their lives. And that stuff rubs off on you. Hello? You ever hung around someone long enough that you start acting like them? And then you're like, that was not a good idea. Don't point at your neighbor, please. Don't point at your neighbor. Not a good idea. Some of you are like, mm-hmm. You ever hung around someone so negative that all of a sudden negativity starts coming out your mouth? Listen, it goes further than that. Look at me. It goes further than that. It's more than negativity. It's dead. Dead things is not just negative. It's fatal. And when you hang around fatal things, you yourself are in danger of becoming dead yourself. And so some of us in this room, we've hung around people who have controlled us with their deadness, with their pollution, the way that they've carried their lives. And we think, Pastor Tony, aren't we supposed to be around people and let them know about Jesus? Not if they tear you down. You got to be strong enough to deal with it. You got to be strong enough to handle it. And if you can handle it, you got to get with someone that can help you handle life. And that happens in community. Look at me. That happens in community. If you don't have a church, you need to be somewhere. Because there's some things that have happened in a room like this that can never happen by myself, even on my knees in the closet. By myself, me and Jesus. There are things that God has done in, in a room like this with people because God has used people to minister to me in ways through their gifts and their abilities. That doesn't mean God can't minister to you in your prayer closet. Don't mistake in what I'm saying to you. I'm telling you you need to do both. But don't mistake in that somehow that is a substitute for this or this 
is a substitute for that. You need both and. And in your life, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you need to understand, get out of the tombs. The first step for this man to be released from these demons was he had to leave his tomb. Did you read anywhere in that text where Jesus went into the tomb? Read the text. The man ran out of his tomb. And there are times that we have to take the first step and get out of the tomb and say, I have an issue I need you to help me with, God. Resurrect in me the power of God. And show me what it's like to walk in him. Jesus didn't go tomb walking. You know, oh, there's a tomb. Let me go walk in there. Oh, there's another tomb. Let me go walks in there. Let me go for a stroll among the dead. Jesus didn't do that because he was life. Anything that he encountered, he brought life to. So when that man left his tomb, he ran not to Jesus, just he ran to life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. Not just I bring it, right? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He embodies, he is the person of life more abundantly. Are you hanging in your tomb a little too long? Have you hung out there and wonder why God hasn't visited you? Sometimes you have to take the first step and get out of that tomb and realize this is not the end. And you have to decide, I'm not going to die in this tomb, even if I made it for myself. Even if my choices have shaped this tomb, I'm going to run out of this tomb and I'm going to find my Savior. Somebody give him praise for that. Come on. I'm going to find my Savior. So what does that mean? That means this is not the end. Not only does Jesus drive out demons, he sends them on a journey. The oppression that once was now became proclamation. I once was, but now I'm... I was lost, but now I'm... I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, but now I walk, right? These are things that people experience, and they declared it. They didn't have all the answers, but they knew one thing was for sure. Jesus is hope. All these things that I was doesn't mean that you are that today. So, second thought. Second thought. Maybe you've found yourself overwhelmed. Maybe you haven't. But maybe you found yourself broken. Mark 5, verses 24 to 34, Jesus meets a woman who is hemorrhaging many, many years. She spent all her money. She's bleeding. And all the doctors couldn't fix her. None of the specialists had answers. All the MRIs came out this, that, and the other. All the testing said, we really have nothing we can do for you. She said, okay. I've run that course. There's who coming? Rabbi? The man from Nazareth. I heard whispers of him. I heard whispers of what he can do. I, I heard that there were people that were laying in their mattresses and they rose again. They were able to walk. 
I heard that there were people that were blind. But now, now they see. What if, what if I can come to him? And what if my bleeding could be something he could cure? What if that hope rose from within her? And she went and pressing through the crowd. You can read the story for yourself. I'm just kind of giving, I'm painting you a picture. Because she pushed through the crowd. And everybody was touching Jesus. But she reached a little further. No, 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 not physically. Not physically because other people were touching him too. This had nothing to do with physical touch. It had everything to do with where she was spiritually and where she had reached her limits. Look at me, look at me. Have you reached your limits today? Have you been broken by your past? Have you been broken by the failures that you have experienced in your life? It had nothing to do with her physical touch. The physical touch was merely a manifestation of what was happening already inside of her. Her physically touching him was just a response to what was going on inside of her. Bleeding. And no one could stop her. And no one could stop it. She pushed through the crowd. And the hem of his garment, she reached out. And she touched him. And the rabbi stops and he says what? Who touched me? Um, insert disciple here. Uh, Rabbi, real quick. Um, a lot of people. Just real simply, a lot of people touched you. Master, are you seriously asking that question? Are you seriously asking who touched you? He says, no, 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 no. Someone. Someone touched me differently. That definitely had nothing to do with physical touch. It had to do with what was going on internally. And all of a sudden, when you touch God with passion and desperation, you get his attention. Some of you are broken, but some of you need to reach out and touch him with passion and desperation. You know why we don't experience miracles as much here in America? Can I tell you simply why? Here's a real simple reason. We're not desperate enough. We call unfriending persecution. Really? Really? That's persecution? Stop being so soft. That's not persecution. That's relief. If they don't want to be in your life, you shouldn't want to be in theirs. Come on, somebody. You can take a deep breath. It's okay. <sighs> One less person to see their drama. Right? No, 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 no. No, no, no. We don't understand persecution in America. She physically suffered and was socially rejected because of her suffering. She lost all her resources. 
and attempting to be restored. Have you found yourself in a harder place because you've tried to dig yourself out? Her social acceptance plummeted all her likes and follows out the window. She was not invited to the local cake party. That was a thing. It is now. She wasn't invited to whatever occasion people planned because she was the outcast. And if you've ever been the outcast, if you've ever been shamed because of something that you've done or the way that you look or something that has taken place in your life, you know that is not a great place to be at. Whether it's by the color of your skin or your social economic background, no one should ever feel shunned because of the things that they cannot control. Judge me by the, not the color of my skin, but the content of my character. And I realize in my life that if I don't have character, I really don't have much. So let's focus on the things that matter, right? So she reached out anyway. She had a hundred reasons not to reach out, but she did. And her brokenness was healed that day. She never bled again. Why? Because she touched Jesus. Not physically. Desperately. It happened desperately first. I'm telling you, this is not the end. When you encounter Jesus, you have to say to yourself, this is not the end. My prayer today is that when you have your next trial, because it's coming, that you will say to yourself, this is not the end of me. This is not the end of me. This is going to shape me to be better, not bitter. Not only did Jesus physically heal her, he publicly restored her dignity. He called her daughter. Look at yourself. Verse 34, chapter 5. He said, daughter, when everybody else calls you that lady, God calls you daughter. Everybody else calls you this and that. He says, daughter, I'd have you know I know who you are. I know who you are. To call somebody daughter means you know that person. I stood by my daughter this morning in worship. That was my daughter. I knew who she was. Nobody has to tell me that's my daughter. Because I know her. That's my daughter. He knows you. You don't have to beg and plead. Just say, Father, I'm coming home. I need your touch. I need your Holy Spirit. I'm broken. It's Easter. Resurrection is in the air. Tulips are beginning to pop. Roses. Things are budding in the trees. Guess what? Your purpose is budding right now. As I inject hope into your life. And Jesus says this. Daughter. Son. I know you. I haven't forgotten you. Come home. Come home. I nev you never lost your purpose because I got it right here. Come home. The third thing, simply this. You ready? When I'm dead to the world, 
What am I talking about? We look later at Mark chapter 5. Now, mind you, this is all in the same chapter. Jesus was on a roll. (laughs) Jesus had it going on in chapter 5. He's healing people. Demons are getting cast out. People that are physically unable to be healed by man are now being healed. And then, if that's not enough... Let's go ahead and cap it off with Jairus' daughter. She is, what? Dead to the world. Say it with me. Dead to the world. She's dead to the world. Everybody says she's gone. Let's look at that for a moment. Mark 5, 35. Can I read that? A little bit of scripture to you. I don't apologize for scripture. How dare you? Watch this. Mark 5.35 says this, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother teacher with anything more? It's hopeless. Are you hearing this? Are you seeing this? Men will come and tell you what they see all the time, right? Faith tells you, trust what you don't see. Man says, this is what I see. This is what you should believe. God says, don't trust in what you see. Trust in what you know. He says, why bother the teacher with anything more? Ignoring what they said. Sometimes you have to ignore the naysayers to get your miracle. Jesus told the synagogue, don't be afraid. Just what? Believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a a commotion with people crying and wailing out loud because they saw what they saw. And this is normal, right? How many would agree? Raise your hand if you think this is normal. You're at home. Someone passes away because you expected it. You saw it happen. You're going to mourn. That's okay. That's not a bad thing. But Jesus is on the scene now. Things is about to get lit <laughs> so they came to the home of the synagogue ruler he saw the commotion the crying the wailing and he went and said why all this commotion and wailing the child is not dead but asleep and they laughed at him at him who Jesus they laughed At Jesus, sometimes (laughs) you need to do what this person did here, and his name's Jesus. He put them all out. Look at it. I didn't, I'm not making this up. Verse 40. He put them out. Why? Because I don't need your lack of faith in my life. I don't need your dead talk when God's about to resurrect some stuff. Okay, I'm gonna preach over here because some of y'all. I said, I don't need your dead talk. When I'm about to resurrect somebody. There's always going to be somebody. There's always going to be somebody talking, wailing, and laughing. All the time. Jesus. Jesus had a different plan. His execution was this. Get out everybody that doesn't believe. Let's stick to what we know. And here's what we know. She's asleep. Why? Because I'm not done with her. I had the final say. In man's eyes... She was all but dead, dead, dead. But Jesus hadn't put his stamp and said, yep, that's my will. He didn't stamp it yet. In fact, he said, no, 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 no. 
you're not dead until I say you're dead. He put him out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. And you know what he said? Little girl, I say to you, get up. And she got up. She was dead to the world, but Jesus spoke into her life. Come on, somebody. She was dead to the world, and Jesus spoke into her life. Jairus was there in her final moments, and Jairus was there in her resurrected moments. Have you ever felt overlooked? Because do you, if you remember this, Jairus came to Jesus, and Jesus was busy, and he was healing other people. But Jesus, why don't you hear my issue? You help them and them and Christian A and Christian B and Christian C, and I'm all the way Christian G. I'm like down in X. I feel like Z, but why are you helping all of them and not me? You ever felt overlooked? Be honest. How many of you ever felt like you prayed a prayer and you felt overlooked? Twelve of us. Anybody else? <laughs> You're in church. I want to remind you something. Well, Pastor Tony, I raised my hand 20 seconds ago. That's okay. I'm just I'm, do, I'm taking polls right now, all right? We've all felt overlooked. Doesn't mean that God has overlooked you. It's just what you felt. We don't walk by feeling. We walk by faith. The intensity of the moment, the grief that took place. He said, you know what? Let's focus on what I'm about to do right now. And this process was not the end of her. You with me? This is not the end. Jesus says, she's not dead. She's asleep because I haven't put my stamp on that. Jesus speaks hope over physical and spiritual all the time. Jesus increased the fullness of God on earth. But when he died and resurrected and he poured out his Holy Spirit, look at me, everyone in this room, look at me. That power that he operated in is now available to every one of us. Did you get that? Let me just say that again because I need that to sink in. The power that Jesus just operated in is the power that can live in you today. You may not see it and you may not experience it, Maybe you just need to come to him and say, Lord, I want to see your power in my life. Maybe you're overwhelmed. Maybe you're broken. Maybe you're dead to the world. But let me tell you something right now. None of those things represent what God sees you as. God doesn't see you as someone that is hopeless. He sees you as someone that is hopeful. Because you're full of that hope, and that full of that Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on that cross with his limp body dying, his intention was to get you to a better place. That doesn't mean you're going to be rich. doesn't mean everything's going to go right or everything's going to go perfect. I mean, no, that's true. Amen. Some of you are like, Pastor, you preaching now. You go ahead and say that. But I'm here to tell you this is not the end. Come on, tell, say it with me. This is not the end. They mourned, they wailed, but the ones that laughed were taken out. Just, no, not taken out, like taken out. 
there's some things you need to let go in your life, some things you need to put out. But let me tell you something. Killing Jesus, because that's what some people wanted to do. They just want to get rid of him. This guy's causing a stir. I don't like it. He's messing up my religion. I don't like this Jesus because he doesn't let me do what I want to do. He doesn't let me be religious. He reaches everybody, even that person, even this person. Killing Jesus was a goal for some people, right? If you haven't read the Gospels, if you don't believe that, you haven't read the Gospels. Because very clearly there were people that saying crucify him. But that's like killing a dandelion by blowing out all the white furry seeds, all you're doing. Come on, somebody. My kids didn't realize that. They're grabbing all the white dandelions. I'm like, stop it. You're not killing it. You're spreading it. Nobody had the sense to realize that killing Jesus multiplies the power of God in the world today. And that taking Jesus out was not the best plan the enemies ever had. Loser. He thought it was one. Two. You know how a boxer, right? How many watch boxing? Right? One. Two, you got to get up by, by 10 or a standing eight count, whatever you, if it's 10, if I say 10, you're still on the ground, you're done. Oh, he didn't realize when Jesus died, it was 10, nine, eight, seven. It was a countdown. It wasn't saying he was down. It was saying it was time before he comes back up again. And the magic number, my friends, is not 10, it's three. The magic number is three. He rose again on that third day and he gave us life. They rolled the tomb, they rolled that stone away from the tomb, and he had given us life. This is not the end. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm gonna have Jay come up quickly and quietly. Come up, just play some. I need you to hear me closely right now. I need you to hear me. Everyone sit up for me real quick. Come on, just a few moments. Just real, real quick. Listen to me. Watch this. You ready? There was a man. I want to give you one story before I pray, and I need you to hear this story. I'm talking about another tomb, and here's the tomb I'm talking about. There was a man by the name of Howard Carter. This man, Howard Carter, on November 4th, 1922, finds the first step toward recovering the one tomb that had never been found People were looking over and over for this individual, King Tut. You heard of King Tut? His tomb had not been found yet. Many others have been found at this point in 1922 in that November day. As he was saying to himself over and over again, he was telling all the people that were funding him and his excursions, and his expeditions. Listen to this. This is an amazing story. This man, Howard Carter, said over and over again, fund this excursion. I'm going to find it. And they funded it, and he didn't find it. Funded it, they didn't find it. Funded it, they didn't find it. He said, one more. 
Just give me one more excursion, one more expedition. I'm going to find it. And after 10 years of digging, 10 years, not weeks, years, on that November day, he found the entrance, the stairway to King Tut's tomb. Watch this. The moment he discovered the steps and he knew what he found, he looked in, he said, outstanding. He went to the top, sat down and began to cry. And all the men with him looked up and they said, he's full of joy. All these years of work and he's full of joy. Or so they thought. But you know why he cried? Because 10 years earlier, he started digging 18 inches from that place. He was digging all the way around the opposite direction. He was 18 inches from where he started. 18 inches the wrong way. 10 long years of digging. Until finally, he went the other direction and found King Tut's tomb right there. In fact, it was the most restored tomb found in all of history as far as I know. I did a lot of research and it was too much information for me to dispense to you today. But let me tell you something. What he found was a marvel. No one had ever found a tomb like this, this old. But the point of the matter is this. He was 18 inches from it the whole time. So my question I pose to you today is how close have you been the whole time and never discovering the gem and the true nature? This is not the end. This is only the beginning. I want to tell you something and I want to tell you, I want you to understand something and let me make this really clear. Buddha died and is dead Muhammad died and he's dead. Gandhi died and he's dead. But Joseph Smith died and he's dead. But Jesus, no, no, no. Jesus died and he rose again. The crown of our faith is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died, your past died. When Jesus died, your sins died. When Jesus died, your darkness died. Your captivity died. Your failures died. But when he got up, watch this. Salvation came to life. Deliverance came to life. Healing came to life. Light came to life. Peace came to life. Miracle came to life. Eternity came to life. That's what the resurrection means all across this room. I need you to understand something. This is not the end. This is your beginning all across this room let's bow our heads right now as we celebrate and understand what it means death died that day death was arrested that day and we realize today oh God we come to you and we ask you in Jesus name receive us unto yourself.